Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel. What the hell got into you guys? It's like you're all in the holiday spirit and everyone's getting nice. <laughs> Pete Thamel. By far and away, the best part of that Drinkwitz clip isn't the actual thing. It's how proud he is of himself doing it. <laughs> With his eyes, Pat Forty. It's certainly possible. It would be infuriating to a lot of people, myself likely included. Here's Pat, Pete, and Dan. All right, welcome to the pod. Oh, it's getting close now. Playoff shakedown, including the Columbus beatdown. I'm sure there's some records if I had looked them up, but that had to have been the worst performance by a a rumored top 10 team in a <laughs> uh, <laughs> a big win game. I think Pete had it best. We didn't even know that Mel Tucker might have a $95 million offer last week at the time. And Pete said, would you sign a big money deal now before you have to go play the Buckeyes? And uh, we debated that. And uh, I don't know. I can say this. If Mel Tucker was signing that deal in the middle of the second quarter on the sideline, I would not have blamed him. <laughs> there were a lot of DocuSign jokes uh, on Twitter. Yeah, that was Twitter everyone. had a lot of fun with the $95 million man. Charlie Weiss yeah. jokes. I mean, there was oh, a little yeah. everything. And, I, you know, I'd feel bad for Mel Tucker, but he's going to get $95 million. So, you know, and that this and is if actually. If he doesn't, he gets 80 yeah, and that's not exactly, bad either. If you're 16 right. and 14 and you get 80 million bucks from a couple of Sparty billionaires, God bless you. Yeah, I'm not going to feel bad. That's actually the problem with the the only problem I might add, maybe more mo money, more problems, uh, as the notorious one taught us. Uh, but uh, you know, once you get a 95 million dollar contract offer, the expectations and <laughs> needless to say, ramp up when they're saying you're the second highest paid coach. We talked about this before. I don't think it's uh, if Michigan State thinks Mel Tucker's the guy and they want to keep him, they need to overpay to to compensate for the other deficiencies in the program. Yep. In Matt Ishbia, their 41 year old multi-billionaire former basketball player, they have a guy who, uh, quite honestly, I believe wants to would like to buy the Detroit Lions, but can't because the Ford family won't sell it. So what's the next best thing if you can't get into the NFL at this age is effectively own the fo- a college football team. So he's a, it's a very interesting. And Daniel Matt- Snyder thinks the Ford family's on a really good run. So, yes, <laughs> <laughs> you win one playoff game in uh, 62 years, like the or 64 <laughs> years, like the Lions have. I mean, the Fords are like, it's coming around. Um <laughs> We tied just recently. Anyway, 
Uh, I'll be very interested to see what Matt Ishmael does with this program because he's got a lot of money. And I mean, what would you do when you're 41 with $5 billion? Like, it's like, eh. Oh, hire a football coach or I won't. What? I mean, nothing matters. It's it's not a number. There's no number. People are like, how can they pay that much? Like, it, this doesn't exist. You understand when you have that much money, 95 million isn't really a big thing. So <laughs> it's like me buying you and Pat lunch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, I yeah. mean, it's never done, by the way. Too much yeah, exactly. Oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, but when he expensed no, it. Look. Yeah, <laughs> they, Michigan State is in position theoretically to have their Boone Pickens or their Phil Knight, you know. Yeah, and except if, he's if not like that, eighty. Then, he's not yeah. like seventy years old and like got my dying wish. He's like, I'm going to be around for the next like forty years. Yeah. Let's go. So yeah, that's the thing. When you're Michigan State, you can't just you can't drive a hard bargain of well, we'll we'll pay you the market rate of somebody with your record. No, if you think that he's the guy, you you do overpay to get him and keep him. Uh, and then you've, you know, you've, that's the only way you keep away, whether it's LSU or anybody else. Hey, Florida now in the, in the officially in the market, does it work out? We'll see. Not, not a great first game after coming to that kind of deal, but he hasn't uh, signed it as far as we know. So, well, true, no. right, right, right. He that's, could still leave. True. I mean, you know, yeah. but yeah, they have yeah. a chance to lose. Like, I mean, they could lose four of their last five. We'll put it that way. Like they lost to Purdue. Yeah. They got crushed by Ohio state. We'll see what Penn State brings, and then there's going to be a bowl game. Yep. It's indisputable. Mel Tucker, he's done a great job this year, right? Yes. To get them to this point, he's done an excellent job. So uh, uh, unbelievable. I don't think any of the criticism of what happened to Ohio State, that's just like talent gravity, right? Like yeah. Ohio State was actually – now, do you want to be a little more ready to play? Sure. Should you have some answers on defense? Probably. They. We argued about what metrics to gauge how pass, bad their pass game was, and I won't bore everybody with that, but their, their pass defense was really bad. Like any – any way you statistically sliced it. And Ohio State's pass offense has gotten a lot better, you know, from week two to uh, to, to now. But Mel Tucker has holistically done an excellent job because, remember, he was handed rotten eggs for a roster, right? Like, I mean, that roster is bad. Mark D'Antonio had stopped recruiting. He had a bad staff. They had a bad recruiting department. They were sort of relying on point of attack and three stars developing to, you know, whatever, and... Everything just kind of they 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 had the slightest margin for error, and once they went veered off track, it was uh, it was pretty it was pretty bleak there. So I think even if they lose to Penn State this weekend, I think any Michigan State fa- fan would have giddily signed up for a Michigan win, and then that would put them at what nine and three, nine and three, yeah, absolutely, yeah, like that's. You know, again, you the over under was four and a half wins by yeah, Vegas. Right. Yeah, yes. that's the thing that that was my yes. My point I was getting at there was that the, for them to even be nine and one and rank that high and in that game tells you Mel Tucker did a phenomenal job. You know, there was no reason to believe going into the season that the and nobody was circling November 20th, Michigan State at Ohio State as a big game because everybody assumed Michigan State would be four and six at that, that point instead of nine and one. So, you know, that's where you're pay- That's why they were paying the money to him because they vastly overachieved. And this is a guy who has shown he can turn a roster quickly because of what he did in the transfer portal and go get guys and make their team better. And we will see on recruiting. They are the 16th class right now. It has picked up uh, since summer. If you look, he started landing some four stars in the last few months. The thing with Mel Tucker is he shows up late as a, and he does not have, 
deep ties to the Midwest or, you know, he's like a, I think he was a grad assistant at Michigan State a long time ago. But in his recruiting, you know, then he gets to Michigan and then there's, uh, you know, the beginning of COVID, which really locks him out of even meeting high school coaches and seeing prospects and, uh, you know, just driving around the state like you normally would. And so, it's, you know, we'll see. He's got a, he's going to have to improve recruiting dramatically at Michigan State if they're going to ever be consistently beat Ohio State. But you sit there and say, well, you got 10 years. <laughs> you know, he's a, he's a very impressive guy. And so uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't lay too much on it, but uh, we'll see if he signs this deal or he still leaves. I don't know. Yeah, but sure. 95 million. I think that hurt his market. Mm-hmm. I think if you're actually a Michigan State fan, you would have rather lose lost that way and kept Mel for a while and put him in position to sign the deal than lost by a field goal and at the buzzer and he's still in play at some other places. I, I, I've heard conflicting things on this, but I have a hard time picturing LSU taking Mel Tucker to the podium after just that that tenor of loss, the notion that he could be uh, he could be spiraling here a little bit down the stretch. And I mean, look, like nine and three is great. LSU fires nine and three coaches. So it, it I'm not saying his market's dead, but I'm, it's certainly that I try not to like overstate too much in one result. Like you should really look at these guys holistically, which is why I've said on this podcast a few times, like I think James Franklin is just a much more attractive candidate because he has something like 11 years as being a head coach. He's won the Big Ten. Like he's been in the SEC. Like there's just a lot. There's just a lot more breadth of coaching experience that uh, that he has. So I try not to be the prisoner of the moment, but poof, that was a moment Saturday. That was a bad one. That was a bad one. So we will see what uh, what goes down going forward. He also is not. He could also end up eleven and two, right? He could also. So sure, we don't. Yeah. We don't want to. He could also go to up. the NFL. Like that's yeah, very real. Right. Like exactly. the NFL does not have a deep candidate pool right now. There's been so much job ter- churn in that league. I mean, think about some of the people they've trotted to podiums there in the NFL the past couple of years. You look yeah. at your buddy in Detroit, you look at Jim Thomasula, you kind of go all the way through it. There's a lot of NFL hires who like the the football fan hasn't really heard of. Nick Sirianni wasn't exactly a household name when, uh, when, when he got hired this year. So that's where Mel Tucker's market could really be. Uh, our one job that is open, I don't know if Mel Tucker would be a candidate or not, but or, or James Franklin or who, but is uh, Florida. Incredible. September, uh, I believe, 18th, they almost beat Alabama to move to like 3-0. and And it was like, here we go. And a year ago, they gave Alabama the best game of anyone in the country. And basically two months later, he's gone. They <laughs> lost to everybody, including Missouri, then got punked in the post game by Eli Drinkwitz, who, who showed up in a, um, uh, what was he? Was he Luke Skywalker? Was he Obi-Wan Kenobi? I don't know what he was. Yeah, he, he was he was with the Force, at least, uh, as opposed force. to the evil empire. Yeah, the and Vader had the Force. one of his force. players had a lightsaber, too. Like, there was, yeah, well, uh, yeah. it probably wasn't it, laying it was around the, the locker light- room. It seems so, like I, some I, premeditated trolling. Yeah. A year um, ago, there was a brawl. I, I was very excited about. It. I think I, I, one of the yes. participants I gave the Heisman to because he could really <laughs> throw a punch. I really like that kid. I can't remember who he is. He transferred to Arkansas. I know that. Um, but there was a brawl that got me excited, and then everyone blamed Dan Mullen. So Dan Mullen showed up at a press conference wearing a Darth Vader costume because he was the the evil Empire, uh, and then after beating him, now we got this whole Star Wars thing. Uh, it's actually Vader pretty off. accurate of him because the Death Star did blow up and they did lose. So he, he, that is kind true. Of, kind of is it, Darth Vader. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know what? Pride yeah. comes before the fall. And uh, <laughs> you really don't want to beat Vader because Vader, Vader dies. 
So I don't know what Dan yeah. Mullen really just it's all it's all there if we just pay a little more attention. <laughs> it's a little more attention. It's hey, all there. Uh, everybody's <laughs> like, yeah, Missouri doesn't really fit in the SEC. Well, now they got a rivalry with a storyline. There's yeah. like 93 Star Wars episodes. Well, we're we're we just had episode <laughs> two of Missouri, Florida. <laughs> but by far and away, the best part of that Drinkwitz clip isn't the actual thing it's how proud he is of himself doing it like he's definitely the guy who laughs hardest at his own jokes because he has this grin just this cheshire cat (laughs) you know what eating grin that 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 he just takes this big swig of his diet coke and he's like i am so proud of myself you could actually he could feel himself going viral in the moment he he was he was like am uh, i gonna do it am i gonna do it i'm gonna do it (laughs) Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna do it. He just, it was, it was hilarious. Yeah, and uh, now we are all for taunting. We are all for premeditated trolling. We are all for this sport being more interesting. And yeah, we don't like sportsmanship. Nice. We don't like respect or sportsmanship. Uh, Mullen's gone. Uh, so look, we've talked a ton of Dan Mullen. Bad recruiting. Bad this. Bad that. Uh, but mostly a terrific coach in the SEC. One bad year, he's gone. But it is a bad year. Question is, who, who? Who's coming? Who's who can who can Scott Strickland and and the Gator uh, boosters lure to come to Gainesville? Man, when it's rolling, it feels like the best job in the country. When it isn't, it it, it doesn't. I I don't know. I, to me, you have so much talent surrounding you. There's just no reason to not have great players. Need to be more more into recruiting. But um, I mean, this is a, this is a school that's got two different coaches and they've got three national titles com- combined. The last three coaches were all fired. What are we hearing? Pete, you can start. Well, I uh, I think we have the most fascinating coaching carousel showdown that I can recall in the you know two decades of covering this. You have three consensus, no argument, top 10 jobs. You have a rapidly disintegrating pool with Mel Tucker. James Franklin's kind of saying he's staying now. He said that to some booster club in like Altoona this week. You know, the Altoona... You know you're talking carousel when the Altoona Booster Club quote comes up. It's that and the Beach House are like the two things that always uh, that always emerge. The ranch and yes, the ranch. Yeah, the ranch or Beach House, whichever whichever you choose. Or he fishes there, like if it's in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, he, he likes to fish in that uh, in that river. When you would you really take a look at these three schools, their pools are small and they're overlapping. And I really feel like that's going to be the the, the fascinating uh, you know chess pieces moving here is. Somebody is going to end up sitting on the floor when musical chairs ends. And I don't know if it's Mike Bone. I don't know if it's Scott Woodward. I don't know if it's Scott Strickland. And I think the worry of that happening is why Scott Strickland uh, made this move Sunday as opposed to to making it after the season. Because he's basically actively giving Florida a really good chance to lose against, uh, against Florida State, which is a big deal. Florida, Florida State's a big deal in the state of Florida, even when they both stink. Florida State is showing some signs of life. Florida State, I wrote this Sunday, is in probably the best positioned big three school right now. And they lost to Jacksonville State, started 0-4, and need to win to wake a bowl game. And you could argue they are actually have the best path of momentum to, to near relevancy. Now, this could all change with a hire and, you know, does Anthony Richardson transfer? That's a huge Huge question over Florida because I feel like he's a once every five year kind of quarterback talent there. When you uh, and I, he allegedly like scrubbed Florida from his social media, which is yeah. like uh, then brought it back. 
I, uh, like these social oh, media stalkers, these, these, these stalkers, <laughs> stop following them on Snapchat. And like, well, you know, what, what are you people doing? These are Remember worse than the airplane guys. The cabs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Remember when LeBron unfollowed the <laughs> cabs on like Instagram? And it was like a story. <laughs> oh, like yeah. LeBron unfollows the cabs. If I had to off the top of my head do a Florida pool, it wouldn't be all that different than the other pools I would have to that I would have to do. I would say they'd be interested in James Franklin. They'd be interested in Matt Campbell. They'd be interested in Luke Fickle. And then like Billy Napier levels on their, uh, you know, on their B list. Do they... Do they ponder a, a coordinator and do they go with like a Brent Venables who's kind of been unmovable all these years, tur- you know, turned down interest from Auburn last year? You know, Dan Lanning all of a sudden like maybe comes into play. Like there are going to be names in this carousel that we never thought of that are going to be that are going to end up being hot. Dave Clawson, Pat Narduzzi, even Jeff Halfley could end up on some B list because of his NFL background in the Ohio State piece. Like there are high profile when you throw in Washington. I mean, Washington has made the college football playoff. Miami has won a national title this generation. TCU has played for the has played for the Rose Bowl. Yeah. And Virginia Tech, like these kids weren't born at that point, but Virginia Tech in our in our title lifetimes game. here, yeah, played for played for the national title. So that A-list is going to be hot, and, and timing is going to play such a role in this. I, I maintain that if Cincinnati makes the playoff, Luke Fickle doesn't move, at least not until after the playoff's over, and you can't wait till December 31st if you're, if you're one of these big three hiring a coach. So when you do that, like Matt Campbell, his 7-5 and five burger he's about to swallow here, losing all these close games, may be the best thing to free him from that sweet Ames tap because he will be able to, like, sit down and actually talk to these people and interview with these people and not have to do a backroom deal. And then these coaches who are actually playing in their conference title game could box them out a week. And we get a lot of like, I would never talk to someone while my team is preparing for a game. Like some of that stuff is going to be tested, right? Some of that like high and mighty, I'm dedicated to my team because the market is going to be dictating, hey, talk to us or we're going to move on. We can't get left holding the bag. So if I had to do a Florida candidate pool, and I'd be curious, Pat, if uh, if yours overlaps with this, I would say Matt Campbell. I would say Luke Fickle pending a loss, though. And I would say James Franklin with with Billy Napier kind of there as the A list of the B's with with somewhat, you know, just kind of my thoughts on on probability, that sort of thing. A couple of things to keep in mind. I I think there are a lot of people outside of the Florida program, but with some interest in the Florida program, i.e. boosters, donors who love the idea of Lane Kiffin. How does Lane Kiffin go together with Scott Strickland? Eh, a little bit oil and water. The other part of the equation there, the last two coaches, football coaches there, have been a little bit high-maintenance pains in the ass. All right, Jim McElwain and Dan Mullen. Mullen's a great coach, but he was not the easiest guy for Scott Strickland to work with at Mississippi State. I'm not sure that changed at all at Florida. So do you want a third guy in Lane Kiffin who can be a handful which Lane Kiffin, I think we're all pretty sure, would be a handful. But lighting up offenses, recruiter extraordinaire would be able to come in and say, hey, I'm in the mix for Arch Manning. You want you want to transfer his interest from Ole Miss maybe to Florida? Eh. So I anyway, I'm not sure that's a fit, but I think there are people at Florida who have a, are intrigued by Lane Kiffin. Mike Gundy talked to Florida in 2017. That was in Ross Dellinger's story on that coaching search. Mike Gundy right now is on fire, mostly because his defensive coordinator is on fire, Jim Knowles at uh, Oklahoma State. But he is 10-1 and and going to be playing for possibly a Big 12 championship and or a college football playoff spot. Does he have renewed interest there? 
I don't think Strickland would go after a Mark Stoops because Mark Stoops is Mitch Barnhart's guy. Scott Strickland owes a lot of his career to working under Mitch Barnhart. That would be a difficult one. No now, loyalty. SEC, no loyalty. Well, I mean, eventually that's the way it goes in the SEC, right? It's no like, loyalty. Hey, you know what? Love you, Mitch, but I got to come try to take your coach. Uh, I think Dave Clawson would be the perfect Scott Strickland match. I just don't know whether the boosters are like, yeah, we want that guy, especially if they've already got their eyes on Lane Kiffin. And here's the other thing, too. Now, Strickland, I, I just wonder if he's lost some of his capital with the boosters after the Mullen thing blows up and they've had this women's basketball issue. And there's people saying, you know what, Scott, we'll make this decision for you or else somebody else will make the decision because you're out. I'm not saying that's happening, but I just wonder where he stands in terms of his footing uh, with the with the people that that matter there. Obviously, yes, James Franklin. I go back to what I said on the last pod. I think it was that if if you're sure Luke Fickle is a ten year success, you wait and you take one six week you know recruiting punch to the gut. But you got to be sure you could get him. So I re- would reiterate that. Matt Campbell. I don't know, man. I mean, I again supposed to be the best team in school history. They're six and five. Last year, disappointing. Year before that. Eh, I mean, he consistently wins more games than he loses at Iowa State, which is not easy. But what's he done in terms of winning big? Not enough for me if I'm the Florida or Florida booster to get me excited about that. Billy Napier, some real intrigue about him around the SEC. I think everybody just wonders, is the jump too big from Louisiana Lafayette to a Cadillac kind of job? Uh, the Dan Lanning piece is very interesting because he's a hell of a recruiter, too. And what have we been talking about for a month now with Florida, lack of recruiting success. But he's also a guy who's in his 30s and has never been a head coach. So I don't think there's an easy solution, but there's a lot of candidates and it's still a good job. I wonder if Bob Stoops would come back for that. Yeah, you know, he enjoyed Former his time in Gainesville. Co- yeah, I don't know. I Look, it's somebody's getting stuck with a coach that they don't, <laughs> that nobody thinks is the guy they want. Like, And that happens. And you, you also don't know. You know, like I, one of the most surprising coaching jobs this year is uh, is Shane Beamer, South Carolina. Like, yep, he's done a yep. good job. Who knew? Right. Steve Sarkeesian, total disaster. So, you know, it, it, who the heck knows? Texas was very excited about their hire a year ago. They're demonstrably worse than if they had not fired their coach. Someone is going to fire. Some of these guys are going to wish they go, go back to the old coach because this is not easy. Right. This isn't, and you go, geez, maybe Dan Mullen with another year, we shouldn't have panicked so bad. I was I think thinking, Mullen could end up with another job in this cycle. Yeah, like, sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of good on that resume. He's won at hard places. Like if you're Arizona State, can you can you just hire the hot Mountain West guy and look yourself in the eye and say yes? And, Brent and when's is this better spin? than Dan Mullen? The yeah. second spin of this. So you talk about let's say BC opens. No one's thinking Boston. Well, what if it opens? Well, heck, that's a great job for Dan Mullen, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of good jobs, so there, there's just a, I don't know, I don't know who they're getting, but it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be wild, uh, certainly out there as this as this goes. Florida should be better than this. Recruiting should be better, at Florida, particularly when Miami and FSU are down, and there's 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 no reason for it. But one bad year, man, and you are you are cooked. All right, let's get to this uh, the results over the weekend and where we're at on this playoff because it is it is opened up fairly obvious here. This is why the committee should not waste their time getting <laughs> bashed and getting PR disasters by doing things like is Michigan or Michigan State better? Guess what? Doesn't matter anymore. Glad you uh, glad you 
Glad you created an entire week of negativity uh, that overshadowed the entire sport. Good job, playoff committee. Thank you. We, we needed that. But look, the story of the season has always been, one of the stories is, can Cincinnati get into this thing? For a non-Power 5 to get in, you pretty much need two of the three Power 5 leagues to just cannibalize themselves. And that's done. ACC is out. Now that Wake lost to Clemson and Oregon is out, uh, Pac-12 is out now that Oregon lost to Utah. The Big 12 could still cannibalize itself. So Cincinnati, in my opinion, will move up to four this week as they should. That doesn't mean this is over for them. First off, they got a win at East Carolina and then a very good Houston team that has to be killing itself that they got beat somehow by Texas Tech at the beginning of the year. They'd be right here, too. That Cincinnati-Houston game might be something more of a playoff, but they do get the Houston, so we'll see. But Cincinnati wins out. This is I, I have basically two results that can still get them bounced. Alabama defeats Georgia. Either Oklahoma State or Oklahoma wins out. Oklahoma would do it with a double bedlam. Oklahoma State would would win Bedlam and then beat Baylor. I think if that happens and you have a 12-1 and Big 12 champ and Alabama and two 12-1 SEC teams in Bama and Georgia, you will have an Alabama would be one, Ohio State or Michigan would be two, the Big 10 champ. Uh, Georgia would be three. And I think Oklahoma or Oklahoma State would leap Cincinnati and, and get in there. What do you think? Would that happen or not, Pat? Oh, it's it's entirely possible. It's it's certainly possible. It would be infuriating to a lot of people, myself likely included, because I just don't think the Big 12 teams, certainly Oklahoma, has done enough to merit. But Oklahoma State, man. I mean, they got yeah. a three-point loss at Iowa State. That's it. I know. And they in would have a win over Boise. Their last drive was stopped by what looked like a pretty bad spot. But Oklahoma State would have a win over Boise, which they got a lucky yeah. break there. But yeah, Boise and that, can, yes, and it was twenty one to still 20 win the against a Boise State team that's okay. That doesn't could, do much for me. No, it, it shouldn't. But it's Dan not the loves worst. Boise, you know it's that. not the worst. Dan loves Boise. I love them. <laughs> they could still win the Mountain West. No, I think they're going to lose. I think they'll be a four loss team. Right? They're going to lose to San Diego State. We're going to chat would fit. West uh, Division tiebreakers later, Dan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do the Broncos. Boise still chance. got a chance. They need like uh, they, but they need UNLV to beat. Air Force, I don't know what, I, I don't want to know. But you know how their analytics are all set up. Oh, yeah. Oklahoma State, it would be a very good team. It's a 12-1, and one, this is a very good football team. I watched some of that game Saturday night. They were, they, uh, that's a dominating defense, and they will have every analytic advantage over UC. So just because Oklahoma State hasn't been ranked high enough, and again, this is where they're going to watch, they'll be like sixth, or they'll be seven. I don't know, whatever. They're going to move up now. Because the committee's looking at that going, oh, no, look what we have to do and tell everyone what we're doing. And now we have to surprise them when we jump people. Again, stupid. They'll do this. But they're going to have all the analytics. They're sitting in there. They're going to be Oklahoma State over UC. I, I, I mean, that would be it would be the debate. But I just think, look, Cincinnati, if you're 13 and oh, and you didn't lay the egg in Ames. You won every game on your schedule. You won convincingly at a one-loss top 10 Notre Dame versus a team that beat Southwest Missouri, Tulsa, Boise State, yeehaw. And then you go into the Big 12, which I don't think is very good. And, you, okay, you would have beaten Oklahoma, big whoop. You would have beaten Baylor. That's your good win. Yeah, you would have beaten Baylor twice. Okay. You just hate the mullet. You hate the mullet. 
<laughs> no, I don't hate the mullet, especially now that he's cut back yeah, the mullet. It's kind of like a faux mullet right now. It's not not really. Yeah, uh, now it's just it's just kind of like a. How about know, Holgers? He just recommended him for the Florida job. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, how about, no, no. How no, about no. Holgerson's mullet? Talk to him. Florida yeah. talked to him in 2017. I, you know, he loves getting I, races the, from SEC teams. I will say that. Yeah, because Tennessee's yeah. Oh, done still that. bitter about the Tennessee one. Yeah, Arkansas. I think Tennessee got him two raises, if I if memory serves. Yeah. How about Holgerson's mullet? Which we hopefully we will see in a super a tremendous clash. I mean, that just he gets balder, yet it just it just <laughs> it recalibrates to the end. I don't. How does that work? Well, that's the big compensation. The the more you lose up here, the more you got to grow somewhere else, right? But he's just out there letting it blow around that Texas air. Love it, man. <laughs> mullet physics, bring, baby. Mullet he is physics. bringing sexy back to college football. Pete, can you imagine? Oklahoma State jumping uh, Cincinnati. I can imagine many scenarios for Cincinnati getting shafted because we have two years of empirical evidence of how eager the committee is to do it. So any situation you fly at me that gives them a chance to to hurt Cincinnati, they should. Now, think about this. Cincinnati played a pretty good SMU team on uh, on Saturday afternoon, and they walloped SMU. I mean, I thought Sonny Dykes took the TCU job at halftime. I mean, SMU was terrible. It was sort of that reminder of what this Cincinnati team can be. They've got Maulers in the secondary. Kobe Bryant played his tail off, who's the, the corner opposite Sauce Gardner. Desmond Ritter looked as good as he's looked all season. There were deep balls open everywhere, and they are designed in a lot of ways, Cincinnati, with the, with the really elite secondary, to play more of these wide-open AAC teams. Part of what's happened to Cincinnati the past couple weeks is that teams just basically ditched their offenses and ran gadget offenses to shorten the game and keep things close, and it worked. When I was there a couple weeks ago, Mike Tressel, the defensive coordinator, told me that they went like four consecutive weeks without actually seeing the teams, like could, the offense the team normally played. They played a different offense in a way, in an effort to gum up the game. And that's what happens when you dominate a league, and that's what happens when your defense is that good. You're going to do that. So SMU clearly just went out and ran things full tilt, and they pounded them. So I really feel like for Cincinnati, they have some separation and some air from the they're not playing that well phase of their schedule. And look, Houston's 8-0 in the AAC. Um, I don't know how they're going to determine home field in that game, to be honest, because they will have not played each other. Do you know, is there some weird tiebreaker? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I think it might be higher playoff ranking. Perhaps I should look somebody, that up before. Somebody we... look up the bylaws, please, here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, but that's that's a legit game. And they're ten and I one. Think and they got like UConn. Yeah. They're gonna be eleven and one. No, no as disrespect, UConn. Yeah. As important as where uh yeah, the loose Spanos era would go the bang. As important as where Cincinnati is this week, it's really gonna be important where Houston is. Because if Houston's eighteen that's a really good win. That's not that different than a win over where Baylor, Baylor or Baylor's right. a little higher. But like that's like in the same neighborhood, 10 to 20, as where those big 12 teams will be. I'm not saying Houston's as good as Baylor or anything like that. But like, yeah, I, I think that just don't underestimate the committee's desire to reward the fat cat. That's just we've just seen it time and time again. We saw it with UCF. We've seen this play before and we've heard Mike Oresco complain about it before. Like it's just it's the same cycle. Like it, it almost has gotten like tedious and boring in a lot of ways. Just it's like, oh, what the committee shafted the team from outside the power leagues. What a surprise. They're mad about it. What a surprise. Like it's sort of this this playoff cycle has kind of hit that like 
just generally speaking from 30,000 feet, that like I roll predictability phase. Uh, from the from the, here's the deal. If the two teams did not play but have the same record in conference, the team with the higher CFP ranking will host. So Cincinnati wow. is in line to host. All right, there you go. All right, here's the other one that is uh, very interesting. It's like that Undertaker uh, highlight where he just pops out of the the coffin at one of the WrestleManias. Notre Dame ain't <laughs> dead yet. Not only that, not only that. I'll give you this is all that has to happen. Okay. Georgia defeats Alabama decisively. Well, first off, Cincinnati loses, and Notre Dame's yep. now in the catbird seat, probably. Yep. They can only get jumped by the Oklahoma State thing. Uh, now they got a little bit better. But Georgia defeats Alabama decisively and takes the tide out as a two-loss team because no one's going to want to watch Georgia and Alabama then play again. And then the Bedlam winner, either Oklahoma or Oklahoma State, then loses in the Big 12 title game. And or whoever wins Michigan, Ohio State loses in the Big Ten title game, which again, Wisconsin, who knows? Or Cincinnati loses. Like you could very, if, you could very easily have Georgia, Ohio State, Cincinnati, Notre Dame. That could be your four. There is nobody left. Like everybody's lost. You you would at that point have to say two loss Bama, like the two loss like Michigan, like three loss Wisconsin. Like you'd, it'd be very hard to find anybody who deserves it over Notre Dame. There's just no one loss teams at that point. So the Irish of all people dead and buried for a long time for good reason, by the way, are back. Yeah, no, I mean, there are absolutely scenarios and paths for them to get there. And the hilarious thing is, you know, while a lot of the country and certainly part of the selection committee wants to denigrate Cincinnati, Notre Dame say, hey, we got a good loss. We lost <laughs> to that Cincinnati team, you know, where everybody else said, oh, Cincinnati's no good. They would get killed. But yeah, you know what? And yeah, the, the blowout of Wisconsin, which wasn't really a blowout. I was there uh, in Soldier Field. That was like three interceptions in the fourth quarter, two of which were pick sixes late to make that look 41-13. It was, you know, that was a slog that was 20 to 13 until the end. But it's still, they won You're the game. You're still angry and about having to watch that game, aren't you? Yeah, it was grotesque. It was awful. But that, I give credit again to Notre Dame, to the coaching staff for what they have done since then. In that first month in September when they looked god-awful, and then they got dominated at home by Cincinnati. And all they've done since then is win all their games. And now they've won the last three in blowout fashion. You know, you blow out Navy. Okay, fine. Blow out Virginia on the road. That's impressive. Now, Georgia Tech, have they quit? Are they going to get Jeff Gollins fired for that? Maybe. And then Stanford's badly in the tank at the end as well. But, you know, Marcus Freeman was hired to replace Clark Lee. Clark Lee was a rock star defensive coordinator. Freeman's come in the last three games. They have allowed six, three, and zero points. And they're probably going to hold Stanford to a touchdown or less, I would say, at the end, too. So phenomenal hire there. Uh, I said at the time that Notre Dame has kind of gotten to that stature of to a little bit of, of like Alabama, where, OK, we use a coordinator. We're going to go get a top shelf one. And you get Marcus Freeman from Cincinnati. Bring him in. Plug him in. He's doing great work. Uh, Tommy Reese is doing very well with the offense, which was just horrible early on uh and here we are with notre dame and people will lose their minds if notre dame's in there again especially if they're like a number four seed and they're going up against georgia and they're going to be a three touchdown underdog and oh we can't wait see notre dame lose like this again well hey it's not out of the question uh, who else you pick though you know right like, that's the thing marcus marcus freeman's gonna be on that coaching carousel too you watch this thing's He's gonna good. spin He's, down he's to done him, good yeah. work man 
He's done good work. What a great decision he made not going to LSU. Oh, my And then gosh. going to South Bend. Like, talk about, like, pivot points of your career where tens of billions of dollars he just made on that that one move of course they they may not have been that bad at lsu if he had gone there but that thing was sinking the ship be sinking kind of like uh Uh, my we come and comment in in the race for the case we are not coming not coming (laughs) now not going we are going Um, going the way how did we do this week how did everybody do uh yeah you you won the week again pete and pretty much wrapped the damn thing up oh we've we don't have magic number trash talk time no 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 we do not concede anything we concede nothing numbers concede nothing he could not win again we could easily catch him it's 12 picks left (laughs) and he's only uh he's only up uh eight on me there you go All right, I got a people's court for you guys, a quick one. People's court. I know there's a lot lot of results to get to, but the people's court, uh, this is just has to take, this has to get figured out. Uh, it comes from a place known for its fair and equitable judicial system, Jiangsha, China. Jiangsha, China, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, but a dispute's a dispute. We need the people's court. So in China right now, it is apparently popular for competitive eaters to go to a restaurant and then live stream on the internet themselves eating as much food as they can as as the as an audience tunes in. Now, uh, I'd say there's nothing to clearly watch in China, <laughs> but I watch Maction. So who the hell am I to look yeah. down on all these people? But you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure American viewing tastes can hold themselves <laughs> up over anybody, you know? Anyway, uh, there is a, a fairly popular personality. He is known as Mr. Kang. Mr. Kang. That's what he's known as. Uh, and Mr. Kang went to the Handati Seafood Barbecue Buffet in Changshai. Changsha, I don't know. Who offers, uh, this is a fateful decision, the all-you-can-eat grill buffet. I think you can see where this is headed, right? Oh boy. All you can eat. So he goes in one time, he ate 3.3 pounds of pork trotters, <laughs> which are pig's feet. Oh, come on. Mr. Kang. 3.3 pounds of pig's feet. Mr. Kang took it down. Uh, then oh. uh, he came back another time and he got after the prawns. The prawns are popular <laughs> at the uh, Handati. Everyone knows that. Um, <laughs> you go to Handati Barbecue Buffet in Changsha, China, you get the prawns. He ate 8.8 pounds of prawns. Eight point Yes. <laughs> so the proprietor of the Hendati Seafood Barbecue Buffet immediately banned him from ever walking in the restaurant again. <laughs> Mr. Kang is protesting and arguing a human rights violation of all things, <laughs> of all the human rights being violated in China right now. In China. In Mr. China. Kang said, according to the BBC, the restaurant is discriminatory quote unquote, against people who can eat a lot. I can eat a lot. Is that a fault? He said, adding he just didn't want to waste any of the food. The Is rest- this a Chinese Homer Simpson? Like- I, I maybe. <laughs> the restaurant a owner. Simpsons where he goes to an all you can eat seafood uh, restaurant. Sure does. It's everything's in the Simpsons, right? It's all it's all preordained. Uh, this guy says the uh, owner said every time he comes in, I lose a few hundred won. Even when he drinks soy milk, he can drink 20 or 30 bottles. When he eats the pork trotters, he consumes the whole tray. As for the prawns, usually people use tongs to pick them up. He takes the tray and just takes all of them. Uh, So, people's court. Pat, who is right and who is wrong here? The owner of the uh, seafood buffet for saying, hell no, I can't 
give you all, we're truly all you can eat if you're a professional eater. Or Mr. Kang, who's just simply pointing to the sign. Pat Forty, your thoughts. Justice Forty. Oh, I'm I'm 100% on the, the side of Mr. Kang and his human rights here. I mean, <laughs> they, look. Call Amnesty the, International. If it, if it says all you can eat, let the man eat. Get out of the way. The only option that you have if you're the owner is you see Mr. Kang coming and you switch the sign to make it like instead of 29.99 won, you make it 400 won and you make your money back there, you know. But otherwise, no, no. If that's the rules, he's playing by the rules. His human rights have been violated, Dan. Set the man free. Let him eat. Yeah, I, I hate to agree with Justice Forty, but uh, <laughs> I think we would we would have the same opinion in the uh, in the high court on this. You run a buffet. There's risks when you run a buffet, right? <laughs> Just like you run some fancy French food restaurant where your entree is the size of a thimble, you run the risk of no one <laughs> wanting to eat there. Well, you run the you run a buffet. You run the risk of someone who want, run the risk of someone on, wanting to eat too much. <laughs> And that is clearly, they've clearly met their match. They've met their foil. And you need to adjust your business plan. You just can't eliminate Mr. Kang. I mean, I think Mr. Kang's got a legal argument, but I'm just going to say this. I think this guy's a total asshole. I think Mr. <laughs> Kang. <laughs> Mr. Why? Kang. he's hungry? 8.8 pounds. This guy, <laughs> I don't think the Handati seafood, like at some point, you just got to be polite. He'd be like, I'm not going to bury this dude and like put his children out out in the streets and stuff like that well, just because I want to show off on my little webcast. So I think there's, there's, a, there's a if you have the ability to to eat that many prawns, you have the responsibility with great ability comes responsibility. You have the responsibility to be a little bit better of a citizen. I think, Mr. Kang, you win the legal argument, but. I think you're in a, if I see Mr. Kang coming, we're not going to be friends. I'm not going to be friends with him. I'm not sitting down eating uh, pork trotters. And you're usually so friendly with everybody. Yeah. So Yeah, I don't yeah. like Mr. Kang. I don't like Mr. Kang. <laughs> what Mr. Kang should do is like diversify. If there are other all-you-can-eat buffets, you hit one per month or whatever instead of just going back to the same one and drilling the same guy. I don't know. Hey, man, you like the prawns? You like the prawns. So like, <laughs> we need audio interspersed on the pod of – Mr. Kang from his live streams. Can you can you handle that, Sully? <laughs> sure, that'll be easy to find. I'm not I'm not tracking this guy down. He's an asshole. <laughs> Thank you, Sully. Sully. Thank you. <laughs> Sully did good work on this. The last time Florida had two wins in the SEC was in 1986. He made a list of things that happened that year. Sully was not alive. Okay, thanks for bragging about how young you are. Uh, Galen Hall was in his third year. Steve Spurrier wouldn't coach for another three seasons. Okay. Gas was under a dollar. Top Gun was number one at the box office. All right. The <laughs> need for speed. That's what friends are for from the super team of Dion Warwick, Stevie Wonder, Elton John, and Gladys Knight was number one on the billboards. Oh, yeah, we play that at rough. the end of every podcast in a moment of solidarity, just so our listeners know. <laughs> yeah. Once we go off the air, we just have a big, big duet. I forgot about that song. God, that was a terrible song. Yeah, (laughs) rough year for the Billboard charts. (laughs) VHS versus Betamax was still a debate in the 40 household. Wow, he's putting, he's slamming 40. In the 40 household, Missouri, I was a senior at Missouri and we were going three and eight and I was writing about Oklahoma 77, Missouri zero. That was, that was 1986. All right. If you put a hundred bucks in the S&P 500, uh, you'd now have four thousand six hundred seventy-three dollars, seventy-four. I'm sorry. That's all right. So there you go. All right, final uh, piece here before we get to the handing out the Heisman. Uh, 
animal attacks. We haven't stopped paying attention. Uh, Hong Kong authorities have had enough of the wild boars. There's a wild boar problem in Hong Kong. Increasing number of attacks. Very Asian, Asian-centric. This, this, a lot of Asian stories today, right? Coming <laughs> yeah. out of Asia. Uh, it's really where it's all happening. Uh, increasing number of attacks by the animals, including one that bit a police officer, triggered an operation Wednesday night in the district less than half an hour. Uh, they used dart guns to capture seven wild boars who were later put down. Uh, wild boars are a common sight along Hong Kong hiking trails, uh, and they have started to move into the city. Uh, a large group of wild pigs continue to wander and gather at the site, posing threats to members of the public and road users. Guy, not one boar knocked down a cop. Says this is a problem. This is a problem. <laughs> well, they sounds d- distinctly problematic to me if they are traveling in gangs. If there's a gang of seven of them that they had to uh, to put down, I mean, look out. That's that's a lot of boar. You can feed a lot of people, but still, that's a lot of boar coming at you if you're some innocent citizen there, you know, minding your own business, doing whatever you do in Hong Kong, and here they come. Here comes the boar gang. Not good. Not good. All right. Let's uh let's hand out the small sample Heisman because we don't uh, we don't like to wait to the end of the year to give our Heisman. Hello, record book. Hello, small sample Heisman. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to give it to uh, the hero of the return. 23-year-old Kenny Pickett, Pitt's 50-year senior quarterback, is uh, one step from finishing the job. He threw four touchdowns, and he threw for 340 yards as Pitt pasted Virginia. 48-38 wasn't really a pasting. They kind of outlasted outlasted them. Uh, Pitt has won the Coastal. It will likely face Wake Forest or potentially uh, have a rematch with Clemson. For the in the ACC title game, depending on results this weekend, but uh, hats off to Kenny Pickett. He said he returned back to Pitt to bring an ACC championship. Pitt has never won the ACC, although it hasn't been there that long. Yeah, it'd be a really, uh, really fun story if Kenny Pickett uh, and his merry band of well-fed offensive linemen can uh, finish the job in Pittsburgh. Good one. And Tim uh, Salem will drink all the Mountain Dew in the locker room after he'll just like pour <laughs> it over himself. He'll even let it fizz. Uh, I, I'm going to go with another quarterback who was involved in the most aesthetically pleading, pleasing rivalry of them all, even if it's not very good football these days, USC and UCLA, where they both wear their home uniforms. And Sissy Blue, as Ed Orgeron dubbed it at the beginning of the season, rolled over USC 62-33. to 33. Quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, 349 yards passing, four TDs, a passer rating of 247.81. That's a career high. He also ran for two touchdowns, and he made himself quite a viral moment by, after one of his scores, grabbing a hat and autographing it in the end zone or right outside the end zone after he scored, drawing a 15-yard penalty and making the penalty moot by scoring so many touchdowns it didn't matter the 15 yards. So then afterwards, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson got a picture with the young man, got a picture taken with the US, USC fan who had a UCLA hat and uh, maybe converted him to Sissy Blue and the Bruins. So good job, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Small sample Heisman winner. All right, I'm going to give a team award here. Sorry, I know it's an individual award. I guess I can pick somebody. Uh, I'll take Cole Bishop. Uh, any of these Utah defenders. Uh, he Cole had seven total tackles, five solo, one tackle for a loss. Uh, could have been uh, Zamaya Vaughn. It could have been uh, 
Could have been Devin Lloyd. Could have been anybody. Absolutely annihilated Oregon. Held the number three team in the country to seven points. Huge night in Salt Lake City. Incredible atmosphere. Uh, one of the one of the one of the almost expected performances. They were the favorites. It was not an upset. Oregon had been injured and banged up. They had the great win over Ohio State, but since then they were getting held together by duct tape and uh, the Utah, particularly their defense, just absolutely ripped them apart uh, and changed the uh, the course of the Pac-12 race and, and the uh, and the national playoff. But regardless of that, great night for the Utah Utes. Congratulations to that defense, which just uh, dominated that football game. So you all get my, uh, we'll send a whole bunch of Heismans out there. We don't give anybody anything, of course, on the show because budget, <laughs> budget. <laughs> Plus that would like take effort. We don't do, we're not doing <laughs> that's that. That's the biggest thing, really. Yeah. Someone had to box it up and send it. <laughs> nah, that's just, yeah. We'd have to think that. and be thoughtful, which doesn't really, that's not our deal. All right, we said a lot of mean things on the podcast. Uh, I'm wondering whether we can say anything nice. This is the weekly challenge. Can somebody say something nice? How about you, Pat? Can you say I something can. nice? Really? Yes, nice. yes. I'm going to say something nice about two freshman quarterbacks who stepped into difficult situations, had some struggles early, and now are absolutely lighting up uh, their conferences. And I'm talking about Bryce Young of Alabama and C.J. Stroud of Ohio State. Uh, you know, if you go back at the beginning, I mean, Bryce Young has to walk in, replace Mac Jones, who's doing very well in the NFL. Stroud has to replace Justin Fields, who's making his own impact in the NFL, albeit a little more slowly. Early on, like in the first few weeks, people are like, oh, I don't know. Are these guys up to the, the level of quarterback play we're used to seeing here? And now the answer is, oh, yes. Yes, they are. C.J. Stroud in that utter annihilation of Michigan State, 432 yards passing, six touchdowns, no interceptions. His last two games, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Bryce Young, Alabama record 559 passing yards and five touchdowns against Arkansas, and they needed it because the defense didn't do a very good job of stopping the Razorbacks. So these two guys who could both end up in the playoff, who knows, maybe even playing against each other. We'll see. But they... Uh, have rounded into form very, very nicely and showed why their coaches were so high on them and why they got the jobs to begin with. You know what? I'm going to say something nice about Desmond Ritter. I saw him walking on the field at Cincinnati uh, on TV on Saturday. He's holding his one-year-old daughter or daughter who's about one years old. You know, he went to Cincinnati. He redshirted. He got better for four years. He returned. He's won 40 games. And he may get one more home game here in the AAC title game. But I just really thought, man, that's college football right there. You got a kid from Louisville, shows up so skinny. They call him the Calvin Klein model. He builds, he grows, he develops every year. He could well leave as a first, second round pick. And he literally helps pull the program from the AAC to the Big 12. Like, I, I was just like, man, that's pretty cool. And he gets, he literally, among those five years, not only does it all that's on the field, but he also starts a family. And one of the reasons he stayed as first family is I just thought it was an awesome scene. Like there were so many great senior day moments uh, and there are and will be in upcoming weeks. And I just really thought that one uh, that one hit my heart a little bit. So uh, Desmond Ritter, congratulations. Not too many college athletes can say they've had the impact on their individual university like Desmond Ritter has. All right, look at that. Everyone really is saying nice things today. Uh, <laughs> I could say something legitimately nice about like Malik Cunningham, the Louisville quarterback who had five touchdowns passing and two rushing, but he was playing Duke. So really, what does that mean? I could say something hey, nice Pat, about... To, he, he almost talked himself into that one. <laughs> Pat almost did. Pat almost did yeah, last week. Yeah. 
Right. I could say something nice about UT San Antonio, UTSA. Uh, meet, meet. That's what they're all calling them. The Roadrunners. They scored with three seconds left. QB Frank Harris to uh, tight end uh, Oscar Cadenas uh, right at the end. They're still undefeated. The Alamo Bowl was rolling. San Antonio's behind their team. I could say all that, but they beat UAB. I mean, how exciting that. I could I could say something nice about Jim Harbaugh. I got them to 10 and 1. Man, he was on the hot seat. He's going into the Buckeye game. Hell, the best thing to happen to him was they crushed Michigan State. Everyone's like, well, uh, probably not going to win. Expectations are now kind of low. All the Michigan fans are trying to talk themselves into it, but we don't know. But, yeah, hey, who wants to say something nice about Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> what are you getting to, Dan? I don't know. <laughs> I could say, you know what? I, here's what I'm going to say something nice about. I'm going to say something nice about Florida State. Florida State Seminoles. Uh, Started okay. the season 0-4. Uh, had another midseason swoon where they lost two more. They're five and six. There's nothing to nothing to crow about, especially not uh, when you're the Seminoles. But you know what? They didn't do quit. Team didn't quit. Mike Norvell's team has not quit. They win. They beat Miami by three. They go to, up to Boston College and win by three. Uh, they have salvaged some sense of a season here. They're going to get to play Florida at Florida. They could get to six. They could get a bowl. Norvell's going to be the longest tenured. Uh, major college coach in the in the state. Oh, depends what you want to. Uh, right, he's even been there longer than Gus. Didn't quit like Florida. Quit on their coach. Yeah. Didn't quit like Texas. The has mustered Oof. nothing in defense of their coach. Most embarrassing season you got goes to West Virginia. They didn't quit like a lot of people. So I'm going to say something nice about Florida State. Good job. Not quitting like all the other suckers out there quit. Man, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the podcast. Ethos. A little more, a little oh, more, right? Someone smash about three different people on your way to a slight back pad of someone. What the hell got into you guys? It's like you're all in the holiday spirit and everyone's getting nice. <laughs> that's it. That's it. This we is got Egg two Bowl three week. Kids home for the week. You know, I'm feeling happy and joyful and. Yeah, sorry. You're going to stop listening if you're happy and joyful. Pat, I know, right? I know. This? Don't worry. <laughs> it's, it's I'll, I'll be back to hateful by Tuesday. <laughs> you friend homicide last week on the podcast. Yeah, that's true. Right? Last, we have one to kill. To feed. Oh, we have an update on that. We have an update. Oh. The guy did an interview with the uh, Texas Monthly, which I actually subscribe to. Great magazine. Not just for the barbecue reviews. They get right to anything in Texas. There it was. He said the, the, the problem they could not solve, which we were hoping was something really interesting, uh, it turned out to be like an IT problem at work. Oh, so, Lord. Yeah, terribly boring. And then he tried to defend himself against all the mean critics by saying he was trying to be positive, but that really wasn't the issue. It wasn't it's he trying to be positive. It was that, uh, yeah. It, I don't want to set Pat nothing off. Against, nothing against our, our IT brethren out there. I'm sure some of them listen to the pod, and we appreciate that. But why the hell is an IT guy doing interviews? Get him out. Get him out of the interview no, room. No, no. He him used out of the to, press conference. He used to be an IT guy. He changed careers. Okay. Well, he should go back to being an IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Pat Forty that our listeners know and love. See, I just had to poke the bear. You just got to poke the bear. <laughs> holiday spirit, holiday schmear it. <laughs> That's a Egg Bowl I, week, baby. It's rivalry week, Pat. It's Egg Bowl week. It is. It, I want the hate flowing on Tuesday. I want the hate flowing. I don't want you thinking about this stuffing and turkey bowl games and having your sons around all this stuff i want the hate you better bring the hate on tuesday all right i'll do better i'll do better on tuesday okay are you gonna quit like a longhorn or are you gonna buck up like a seminal that's the question pat 40 
<laughs> Sully, send him that clip of the Texas reporter asking the question like 10 minutes before. Just play it on a loop. We want you frothing. We want you ready to go. That's a good Come on. Game. Good pregame. It is yeah. rivalry week. And we will be back Tuesday to discuss it all. It's so great. It's so great. So great. It sucks that the season ends, but it does end with some, some greatness. So let's do it. Talk to you all then. <laughs>